Right, so uh, tonight we're continuing in our series, Advancing the Kingdom, and we're going to be talking about one of the four circles of New Hope Hilo Hawaii. Now, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't been joining us, or you, this is your first night, uh, the four circles of New Hope actually is services on Sundays and Wednesday nights, or Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Our second circle is small groups. And then our third circle is serving. And our last circle is stewardship. Now, last week, uh, last week Wednesday, Pastor Sheldon talked about uh, the vision of these circles. And because we want to partner up with you to reach your family and friends. Now, tonight, I would like to share with you the importance of one of these circles and how you can be part of what God wants to do in the lives of his people. You guys ready? You guys sound like you're tired. You guys ready? All right. Sorry, I'm, a, I'm the youth pastor. I challenge the kids all the time. If you guys look like you're sleeping, I'm going to wake you up. So, uh, so tonight we're, we're going to just jump in. In fact, that's our title for tonight is jump in. Okay? Jump in. Don't worry, it's not actually physical. I'm not going to ask you for actually jumping something. Okay. Not yet, anyway. But anyway, so uh, let me explain to you why it's called Jump In. Uh, a couple of years ago, our youth had a camp called Zero Gravity. And uh, let, me just, let me just tell you what Zero Gravity is, just in case nobody knows what it is. Uh, Zero Gravity is a week during the summer that we have camp at Spencer's Beach Park. And we usually take... Uh, we take like 80 kids, 100 kids sometimes, uh, both in junior high and high school. And we, for one week, it's, it's all about relationships. It's all about uh, growing in the Lord. And it's all about them just building relationships with one another. But there's this one time I remember, uh, this is back in the day, so I don't know if any of you guys remember youth, if you guys remember. But this is actually when we used to bring kayaks with us. And so we used to take kayaks out there and... Uh, I remember there was this one day, uh, we couldn't actually launch it from Spencer's, so we launched it from where the pavilion is at Spencer's Beach. And so uh, there's these two girls who decide, hey, we're going to go kayak to the other beach called Promised Land. Uh, if you don't know what Promised Land is, it's actually called Maumai. And so it's like journey to the other beach. So these two girls... Uh, happened to go, oh, we can go in the kayak and we can go paddle all the way to the other beach. Now, one of them is like a little sister to me. And when I mean little, I mean she weighs like 30 pounds. And so I was thinking to myself, you're going to die by the time you're halfway there. Okay? And so uh, they, they get in the kayak and I see them, uh, they, they launch off the shore. Now, they're launching right by the pavilion. And so we're watching and we're laughing because <laughs> you can see them struggling. They're, when you're like this small and you're like this skinny and the paddle's like bigger than you, it's pretty funny. So you see and they're trying to paddle, but here's the thing. The waves start to kind of get rough. And all of a sudden, what I see from pure joy on their face actually ends up being pure fear. It went from... <laughs> Ah, and so they start freaking out. You can tell they're freaking out because they stopped paddling. Okay? And so they stopped paddling, and they look back to us in the pavilion. And you can see our joy 
turn to fear because we're laughing. <laughs> are you guys stuck? Huh? Oh, hey guys, I think guys are stuck. And so sure enough, they get stuck and they start freaking out. Now, if those adults freaking out, one thing. If those high schoolers freaking out, it'd be a whole other thing. It was two junior high girls freaking out. My ears could only handle the sonic level of their screaming so long. And so they're screaming, ah! And they're like, and so I'm looking at them, and I'm standing, uh, I'm at the bottom of the pavilion. Some of you guys know the pavilion at Spencer's. There's a stairwell, and I'm standing at the bottom, and I'm like, they look like they're in trouble. And I'm like, looking at everybody going, hey, guys. No? Okay. And so I'm, so I'm standing there, I'm going, well, you know, because I'm big, I don't, I don't sing, I float. So I can get there probably. And so I'm about to jump in, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if there's Vana right there. Uh, and all I need is a shark for come bite me, or an eel, or a crab, allergic to shellfish, you know. Okay, ah, I'm dead. And so, uh, so I'm thinking all these things, but then all of a sudden, out of the, all, the, all the images I had in my head, out of all of that, I hear my little sister scream. And without even thinking, the, last thing, the next thing I know, I'm... The, for some weird reason, the music of Baywatch entered my head. And I'm saying, I can do this. And I, so I, you know, I, I, I don't want to you know, forget the running part. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to jump. So I dive in. Now, what I thought was a dive was actually a belly flop. And so, so I'm starting to swim, swim, swim. I'm not moving anywhere because the waves are that hard. But eventually, I make my way to them, and I grab their, the kayak, and I start swimming back to shore. True story, okay? And by the time I hit shore, I was like, <laughs> I was like, am I still breathing? Oh, I'm still alive. And so, uh, and so long story short, uh, I, we got them out of the danger zone. I thought I was going to die, but luckily they didn't. And all joking aside, the reason why we're talking about jumping in tonight is because we have to. We have to jump in. You see, here's the deal. If I was to stay on that shore, there's a 50% chance that they could have got their way back. There's also another 50% that they could have wandered out to sea. You see, me staying on the shore wasn't going to serve their needs. Now tonight, if it's okay with you, I know I'm the youth pastor, and some people think youth pastors... uh, all they do is talk loud and talk about all this energy, and we will. But I also want to speak boldly. And if I may speak so boldly to you all tonight, including our youth that is here tonight, because I want you guys to catch the heart too. If I may speak so boldly, I think some of us are here tonight, and we got the attending church part down. We got the attending church part down. Now, here's the deal. It's great that you're coming to church. It's great uh, that you're coming here and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're being fed. But here's the deal. Are you really being the church? You see, the reality is that if you are a committed follower of Christ, catch that. If you call yourself a fully committed follower of Christ, then your heart cannot just yearn or long for others to come to know him as their Lord and Savior. The reality is you must be willing to take action and serve others. If you're taking notes, 
I love this. I love this phrase that I heard as I was doing this sermon. Saved people serve others. Saved people serve others. You see, tonight I want to encourage you to no longer be a spectator of his kingdom, but become a servant of the king of kings so that our families, our friends, community, and others worldwide would come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But how can we serve others so that they come to find Jesus in their lives? Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 10. Some of you might, might know this story. Many people know this story. But maybe you don't. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke 10. Because in Luke 10, we learn three ways that we can serve God's people. Many of you know this story. It starts at good and the Samaritan. But let me read you what it says in the NIV version. I'm going to read starting from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? This is Jesus talking to that to the expert in the law. And so he answers, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he, who was the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went, to bandage, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now many of us, we know this story as the Good Samaritan. But in it, we can actually discover how Christ calls us to be as servants in his kingdom. And if you're taking notes, this is the first point right here. The first is to serve with humility. Serve with humility. Jesus modeled humility throughout his entire life. In fact, the focus of his life was always on the will of God, not, himself, not his own. He always pointed away from himself, never at his own glory. And in fact, he came to serve, not to be served. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. To 
be honest with you, this is where I made a mistake when I first served. When I first served, I didn't, I didn't serve with humility. I'm going to be honest with you guys. When I first served, uh, I, I try and condense it, <clears throat> but um, I graduated from high school. I had been coming to youth uh, for like two years. And so after I graduated, I was like, hey, you know, I, I'll serve in our youth ministry. There's nothing else. You know, I, I, at that moment, believe it or not, I felt called to be a youth pastor. So I said, you know, I'm going to serve in our youth ministry and love on the kids. And it was great <clears throat> until I started liking one of the youth, which is Katie. And Katie wasn't actually that much younger. She was only three years younger than me. And so I started liking her. But just letting you guys know, our policy is if you're a youth leader, you cannot go out with a youth. And I totally and strongly believe in that. But here's what ran through my head, though, when I first started serving. They're not going to kick me out. They're not going to tell me I cannot serve. I knew it was against our guidelines. But I was so prideful, I told myself, you know what, I'm too important for you guys to get rid of me. And boy, was I humbled when I got that phone call saying, hey, we know about you and Katie. You got to step out. Whew. Yeah. It was right there I learned, I got to serve with humility. The, re- that, the reality is, although, although God wants to use us, I'm also replaceable. And the reality is, God doesn't want me to serve with pride. He wants me to be humble. Because if you serve with, with pride, the reality is you don't need Jesus. Because you're not even going to be serving for Jesus. You're going to be serving for you. That's the reality. If you're serving with pride, it's not about Jesus. It's not about that Jesus can catch, reach others. It's about so people see you trying to be holy. Sorry, I said I was going to be bold tonight. But that's what I learned. And you know what? To be honest, and youth, you guys didn't even know that. I think some of you guys did, but not all of you. You know, the reality is the most painful part of that entire situation wasn't being able to serve in my calling. Like I said, when they, when they found out I was, we were actually going out and she was still in youth, I was asked to step down. That wasn't the most hardest point. You know what was, what was the most hardest point? Was... Uh, Knowing that because of my pride, I desired what I wanted and knew that I had let down all those who cared about me. What honestly broke my heart uh, in the weeks that followed was uh, I actually had two of my cousins coming to youth group. And they constantly asked me, how come you're not coming up anymore? And I couldn't tell them why. And the reality is, why couldn't I come up? Because my pride got to me. I thought to myself, you can't touch me. And the reality is God said, you want to bet? See, we've got to learn to serve with humility. It's not about us. As much as I love our kids, the reality is, as much as I love our kids, I'm more hopeful that they understand Jesus more than they know me. In fact, in Luke 14, 11, it says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, how does this relate to the Good Samaritan? Well, here's the thing. The Samaritan showed humility the moment he saw the man beaten and robbed. He could have acted like, just like the other two that came before him, so focused on themselves and where they were going. But instead, he put the man on his own donkey, meaning he had to walk, and went to the inn 
which meant that he actually didn't end up going to where he originally wanted to go, and paid money to take care of him, which meant he used his own personal finances for a complete stranger. It shows that the Samaritan thought of the man more than himself. You see, when we serve in humility, we start to have kingdom eyes and see people as Jesus does. The Good Samaritan first shows us to serve with humility. And here's the second point. It also shows us to serve with courage. It takes courage to serve. Because to serve takes action. The youth notice I share this all the time in youth, so I'll share this with adults. Uh, When I was in seventh grade, I remember it very vividly. I was sleeping. I loved it. You know, when you're a seventh grader, remember when you were seventh grade? Did you want to wake up? No. You wanted to sleep all morning. And so I remember I was sleeping. I was in seventh grade. And I think it was about three o'clock in the morning, maybe four. And my mom comes into the room and says, Ben, get up. And she shakes my bed. And I'm like, "Mm." some of you know what I'm talking about, right? And so I'm like, no, I don't want to wake up. And and she's like, Benj, because she always calls me Benj. She's like, Benj, get up. I'm like, no, it's too early. And then she says this, Benj, get up. The next door neighbor's house is on fire. I wake up, I'm thinking, Mom, you're playing a mean joke, you know? Like, I'm like, huh? Why? What do you mean the house is on fire? She's like, yeah, the next door neighbor's house is on fire. I'm like, wow, that's a lame excuse, Mom. And so I'm like, okay. And so I go out, and, and I go outside, I go outside on our porch, and I look to the right of me in our next door neighbor's house, and guess what? It was on fire. And right there, woke up. Oh, oh, oh. And then I see four fire engines right there on Kupalau, because we live right down the road. I see four fire engines right there on the road, and I'm going, oh. And in your seventh grade, you're thinking, this is a movie. Where the camera's there? Where the camera? And so I'm thinking to myself, holy moly. And when I mean the house is on fire, I don't mean that there was a little flame. I mean the house was engulfed in fire. And so I'm looking at it, I'm going, and I know my neighbors, and I'm like, Mom, did the neighbors get out? Did the neighbors get out? Yeah, they got saved. I was like, okay, what can we do? And she's like, well, and here's where, here's where it actually really got real for us. Because on our property, we have a propane tank that's close to their property, with less than 10 feet away from the house, their house. And so I'm thinking, so she says, well, we got to make sure we water down the, the propane tank so, that, you know, if a fire comes on, it doesn't explode and we die. At 3 o'clock in the morning, when you're in seventh grader, that, that scares you a little bit. And so I'm like, oh, okay, we go get water, we throw them on top and all that. And so, and so I see firefighters, there's like, there's like dozens upon dozens of firefighters trying to take out this fire, and it's crazy. And there I am trying to, you know, help the firefighters, so I give them water and stuff like that. And so I, I go upstairs, and I'm watching. Now, here's the deal. The firefighters were all in the front of the house where a lot of the, the, the fire was taking place. But as I'm in the back porch, I see on the, on the second story of their house a small fire starting. And I'm thinking to myself, where's the firefighters? Where are the firefighters? Are they? They're still all busy. So I did what any seventh grader would do that was really dumb. I went to go get my own water hose. I didn't go, and, and I started, and I started, and I, I, was, I was about to go shoot it when a firefighter saw me. He said, boy, what are you doing? I was like, there's a fire over here. He's like, Oh, okay, okay, we got it, we got it, we got it. So he pushed me out of the way. He goes, go back upstairs, 
and we'll take care of it. Now, looking back on it, at that time, I felt like a hero. Because I was like, yeah, I'm going to help take over fire and all that. And the reality is, I could have died. I tell everybody that just so they feel sad for me. And they're like, oh, Ben, you're so brave. But I'm just kidding. But the, re- the reality is, the reality is, I saw something happening. And even as a seventh grader, I wanted to take action. Would the, would the little rinky-dinky water holes really do anything against a big fire? No. But at seventh grade, in seventh grade, I, never th- I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to try to take them out. And the reality is, the reason why I share that is because that's actually the reason why I serve. Because I see so many people with their houses on fire. But someone has to have the courage to help them put it out. You see, there are so many people in our lives that have no hope, no faith, and have every reason to remain hopeless and faithless because people are not willing to have courage to serve them. James addresses this in James 2. In verses 14, he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does, it, what does that do? So you see, faith, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith, so also faith is dead without good works. You see, all the great servants throughout the Bible have one thing in common. They were willing to serve with courage. And so was the Good Samaritan. Think, think about it. If you saw somebody beaten and half dead, wouldn't in your mind go, where's the guys that did this? Could they still be around? Are they going to target me next? I mean, think about it. The Good Samaritan could have been his own victim. Could have been another victim. 
If the good Samaritan didn't have the courage to serve, that man could have possibly died. If Christ didn't have the courage to serve, who knows where we would be? But he set the example for us to serve with humility, courage, and the last one is love, to serve with love. I have the honor and privilege of serving our youth ministry every week. And to be completely honest with you, I love it. Every week, I have the opportunity to love on our youth, whether it's playing games, you know, like beating them at foosball, (laughs) hanging out and talking stories, or even hearing about what they're going through. I love every moment of it. See, the reality is that God created church for life-on-life interaction. You see, church is not a religious concept. It is a relational concept. And when we serve out of love, we break down walls of church so that people can understand and experience the beauty of God's love. What does it mean to serve with love? I'll give you an example from our past zero gravity. There's this kid, and uh, he actually came to our Sunday service like once or twice before, and for a while I I hadn't seen him. But at this camp he came. And so I saw him, and I I, I went, hey, I remember you used to come to our Sunday services. And he said, yeah, and I stopped coming. And from that moment, like for the first day, at least for the first day and a half, he gave me attitude. He basically didn't want to be there. He actually got dragged by his mom, I think. And this kid was, was, so, was so, I mean, I'll be honest with you, he drove me crazy the first day. I was like, Lord, you say I can lay hands. Let me lay hands. <laughs> I won't. Oh. And he didn't only just drive me crazy. He drove the, some of the other leaders crazy. In fact, a lot of the other leaders crazy because of his attitude. So I remember going, uh, sitting down before the Lord, and I was like, Lord, how can I love this kid? I'm kidding. That's too holy of me. I was like, Lord, help me not to kill this kid. Because <laughs> I'm, you know. And, uh, and all I could hear the Lord say was, Ben, you got to love this kid. Even when he gives you attitude. And so one day, I think it was the second day, um, where it's, uh, I got a chance to talk to him just real quick. And I basically asked him this. I told him, dude, what's, what's the matter? Why do you feel so broken? And then he shared what was happening in his life. Shared what was going on with his parents and how their marriage fell apart. How his sibling moved to the mainland. He basically felt all alone. He felt like he was a kid without no family. And I wasn't being Ben, the youth pastor. I was being Ben, a human being. Ben, who was once a kid who thought that he was unloved by all people, of all people from God. And so I, I, told, I, told, I looked at this kid and I said, hey, bro, you know what? You might not have a family here, but we'll be your family. We'll hang out with you. You call us up and we'll do stuff. I tell you, after that moment, that kid enjoyed camp. He, uh, I saw him actually worshiping the Lord because he, he had a relationship with the Lord, but because of what was going on in his life, 
it kind of strained it. But after that moment, he started worshiping the Lord. He was loving it. Uh, he'd actually play. I'd see joy on his face. And, and I'd be like, man, awesome. You know? And in fact, he actually got baptized at camp. It was amazing. And, he came, and then we came back from camp. I got to talk to, him, to his mom. And his mom came to me. And she's like, Ben, you know, uh, I, see, I see something different in my son than when he left. And I was like, yes. It's all worth it. Well, he came a couple weeks after, and, uh, and after that, he, he didn't show up. I went, man, how, I wonder how this kid's doing. And I, te- I text him. Some of the other leaders would text him. And, uh, yeah, we, it wasn't until a couple, uh, couple months later, actually, right before Thanksgiving, I'm standing in the youth wing, and a man comes to me and says, hey, uh, are you the youth pastor? I go, yeah. And he goes, you know who this kid is? I go, yep. Uh, he's gone. I was like, what? When he said he's gone, I was like, okay, where'd he go? And then he told me he died. And, uh, and I had to come into this sanctuary and I had to console the mom. But believe it or not, although it was a tragic story, there was also God's blessing in it. There was also God's glory and his love. Because I got to tell that mom, I'm letting you know right now, your son believes in God. Your son accepted him as his Lord and Savior. Your son, no matter what pain he was going through, I honestly believe He's home. He's with his family. And what hurt, what, what hurt me the most wasn't just his story. It was, how many other people have I not served with love? And that not be the answer. You see, serving with love is important. It trumps everything else. Because in fact, Paul the Apostle knows that. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13:13 and we all know this as the love love chapter in the Bible. But it says this, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I had understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. That's why it's important to serve with love. In fact, in the NLT version of Luke 10, this is how it describes the good Samaritan coming upon the injured man. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. See, God's love is the underlying thread that connects us all together. In fact, 1 John 4.19 says we love each other because he loved us first. 
You see, this is important because we cannot serve anyone without love. This is actually why Jesus shares the parable of the Good Samaritan. <clears throat> if you look at the very beginning of, that, of, the, of why Jesus gave the parable of the Good Samaritan, it says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's why Jesus actually went on to tell him the story of the, great, of the Good Samaritan. It's because he wanted to understand, you have to serve in love. We must be willing to serve one another in love. It is this that proves that we are no longer spectators, but servants in his kingdom. John 13, 35, I love this scripture. It's one of my life scriptures. And I, and I, I want to encourage us all to just really take this scripture to heart. It says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Not the words you say, not how many times you go to church, not, many, not even how many times you open your Bible and you read it, not how many times you pray. Those are all great things, but the number one thing that will prove that we are disciples of Jesus Christ is how we love one another. That's it. I'll put it this way. <clears throat> if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means you're filled with his love. I, I work with you, so I'm going to give this uh, illustration, and it requires your participation, okay? So let me put it this way. You have three bags of Hershey's cookies and cream eggs, okay? Now, here's the deal. Do I love cookies and cream? Yep. I love it. Thank you, babe. That was awesome. She read my mind. In fact, I might have to narrow my name. Anyway, so I love, I love candy. How many of you love candy? How many of you like chocolate? How many of you like cookies and cream? Ah, okay. So here's the deal. Stay with me now. Don't get lost in the cookies and cream. I love candy. I love these cookies and cream. But here's the deal. I love it. But if I was to eat these three bags right now, number one, my wife would kill me. Number two, it would probably kill me. And number three, I don't like to be dead. But here's what we do. So many times we get filled with God's love and we go, okay, God, we got it, we got it, we got your love. Yes, it's all mine. And God is saying, no, 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 no. It's not what I have for you. Because the reality is, I gave you my love, yes, to fill you. But watch out your heads, okay? That's my, that's my warning. But it's also for you to share. Okay, ready? 
I never told anybody I was doing this, so don't tell Pastor Sheldon. Don't make mess now. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Hey, I got three bags. Don't worry. I'm going to try to reach everywhere. If you have babies, block them. Okay, I can go this, this area. Watch out right there. Okay, here we go. I'll try not to hit the projector. Don't worry. I get two more bags. Relax. See, because God, he, get, he has a lot of love. Two bags still going to kill me. Okay, ready, ready. I know I see you guys. All right, all right. Here we go, here we go. Here's yeah, I candy. I toss them, I toss them on the ground. Don't worry, I never forget about the kids. Relax. Okay, back there, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't, hey, I don't like hit the baby. Here we go. I see, look. Even one whole bag, I'm going to argue with that, but I still can share them. Yeah, wait, wait, kids, hold on, kids. I'm going to show over here first, okay? Ready, adults? Okay, ready, because I'm going to throw them this way first. Okay, here we go. Share God's love. Okay, there you go. They're never going to have me speak on Wednesday night again. Here you go, kids, here you go. Now that everybody has their candy, <laughs> feel more candy, share. Don't be like the parade and hold all the candy. There you go. Share it now, okay, here. Hey, we're still early, so we all good. I get one, sorry. <laughs> so, but did you guys catch what I was trying to do? No lie, you guys are like, oh, there's candy, I'm up for it. Okay, here we go. But the reality is, that's what we, that's... Can I, can I say this? We're we being bold tonight. Yeah. Be that. I think too many times, and I'm not, I'm not saying this for us, but I'm saying too many times we often hear of people being spectators of faith rather than servants. One of the four circles that we have here at New Hope Hilo Hawaii is Serving. And I want to be honest with you, serving changed my life. People ask, how do you know that, how, how do you build a relationship with Jesus Christ? It's, quick, it's simple, do what he did, which was serve. You see, here at New Hope, there are many ministries and places that you can be a part of. 
Maybe some of you are already serving someplace. And if you are serving someplace here at our church, I want to thank you. Thank you for not being a spectator of your faith, but instead of being a servant of the King of Kings. In fact, if you are serving, can I say this? If you are serving on behalf of those whose lives have been changed by Jesus Christ, thank you. Some of you in here, maybe you think you're not good enough to serve. It's a lie. Put it this way, the 12 men that Jesus chose as the disciples, and I mean those because it actually says that Jesus had more than 12 disciples. But we often know of the 12. The reality is, all of Jesus' disciples were not perfect. In fact, on the night of his betrayal, on the night that he would be led to crucifixion, they all deserted him except for one. Some of you might be just spectators in faith. No matter where you may find yourself, Christ is calling all of us to go and do likewise and serve his people with humility, courage, and love. Amen? You know, this past Sunday, I walked around our church and I saw many people serving. If you think that there's no place for you to serve here at New Hope, you're wrong. I got to hear, I got to meet this man and we went to uh, LA for a conference a couple years ago and I got to meet this pastor. And this pastor is amazing. He, uh, some of you may know him, his name is Pastor Matthew Barnett. And he's a pastor of LA Dream Center. And if you don't know what Dream Center is in LA, Dream Center is basically an outreach, ministry, uh, outreach church where they actually take in kids that are in gangs, kids that are drug addicted, people off the street. They take them in. I got to talk to him one, one, one night and it was real quick because it was a conference and there was a concert happening and all that. And so I asked him, hey, Pastor Matt, why do you do what you do? I mean, this guy literally, uh, I'll just share this real quick. This guy literally uh, came onto the scene as a pastor and there was a gang shooting. And he was so bold, he was so courageous, he was so humble, but he loved he, was, he actually went to the family of the gang member's house. I mean, the, the house of the gang member that was killed. And he walked in and, and, he, and he, he sympathized with the mom. But the mom wasn't alone. She had the rest of the gang members in there. And so the mom asked him, well, Pastor, well, well, Pastor would, you, would you pray? And so he did. And in, and in his story, he, he, he's holding the hands of these really big tough gang bangers and he prays a prayer that's so courageous he says I'm going to let you guys right know, not let you know right now the life you're living will lead to hell so the white guy with all these gang bangers 
Needless, needless to say, he lived. And he changed their lives. In fact, he said from that day on, he had the best bodyguards in town. But I asked him, Pastor Matt, why do you do what you do? That's crazy. I would never do that. And this is what he said. He said, there's always going to be a need. My heart is to fill it. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord, and, and Lord, that's the reality. There's always going to be a need in this world. A need for people to come and experience you. A need for people who are broken and battered and left half dead. There's always going to be a need for your servants. Lord, would you put it in our hearts right now for everyone that's here tonight, for anyone that watches this online, for for whoever gets told about this tonight, for it's not my will, it's your will. Would you equip us and empower us to fill it? Not with pride, but with humility. Not with fear, but courage. And with nothing less or short of your love. Lord, there may be some of us in here tonight and maybe all we're doing is being spectators. Maybe we're being the best church attenders in town. Lord, I pray that tonight you would capture their heart and that you would tell them that you desire them to not be church attenders anymore, but to be the church. To be your hands and feet so that others will know you because of how we love one another. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who thinks that they cannot serve because they're not perfect or they're not gifted, I pray, Lord, that you would speak into their hearts right now and I pray that you would let them know that they are more than capable of your kingdom. And Lord, for those who are serving already, I pray that you would continually burn in their heart, Lord, because there's going to be moments where we might want to throw in the towel, but you never did. May we be constantly re-energized and fueled by your love and by your spirit. Lord, help us to not just hold on to you, but to share you as we serve those, not in, not in words, but in action. Help us to jump into what you are doing in the kingdom of God so that lives will be changed for all eternity. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for being a God who came not to be served, but to serve those. We love you, Lord, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, and we all said, Amen. Amen.